0: If you have a Bible, open to the book of Philemon. And this morning we're going to finish our study in the book of Philemon. So we're going to read verses 17 through 25. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.
1: Morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, as we close this study of Philemon and then we move into Advent, Lord, just wondering what you are speaking to your church in regards to forgiveness and reconciliation, because that is why you sent your son, Jesus, to be here with us, to die for us to ascend, and he's coming again. And so, Lord, would you speak to your church in Jesus' name? Amen. So, if we were to sum up the letter of Philemon with one word, it would be this word reconciliation, and primarily the reconciliation between God and people. And as a backdrop to this letter, I kind of want to look at Second Corinthians chapter 5, which we looked at Briefly last week, but I just want to read it so that it's in the back of our head so that when we enter into reading this letter, we have this other letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Second Corinthians chapter five verses 16 through 21. "From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. For our sake, He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So from this point on, when Onesimus made this profession of faith, from that point on, he was regarded as someone as he was never before. He was once a runaway bond servant who stole Philemon's belongings, but Onesimus is not to be looked at that way anymore. He is a new creation. Just as Philemon and Paul have become new creations, so has Onesimus. And this was Paul's appeal, so let's look more closely at Paul's appeal starting in verse 17 here. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Prior to verse 17, Paul lays down the case for Onesimus. And if all of what he has written is true, receive him. Welcome him. Receive Onesimus as Philemon would receive Paul. Now the English word translated here from the Greek word for partner, that word in Greek is koinonos. And if you remember when we looked at verse 6 a couple of weeks ago, the English word sharing was not the best translation from the Greek word, which is koinonia, which means fellowship, right? So koinonia is better translated fellowship. And so verse 17 is in direct relation to verse 6, that This partnership, this fellowship between Philemon and Paul, if that is real, if that is true, then Philemon, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. And this is referring to this deep, intimate relationship, fellowship between brothers who share the same significant faith in Jesus. This is not some casual relationship where we share hobbies even though some of you are really serious about your hobbies. But one where the same fellowship with God, it's shared. So if this fellowship is real, if it's true, receive Onesimus as you would receive me, Paul. Paul was essentially asking Philemon to receive Onesimus as himself because as things were, he was imprisoned. And Paul couldn't be with Philemon in person. And if Paul could be there... Philemon would have welcomed him with open arms, wide open arms. He would have threw him a party. He would have been so ecstatic that Paul was there with them. So Paul's telling him, do the same thing for Onesimus that you'd do for me. You'd throw me a big party. You'd welcome me with open arms. You'd do everything. You'd be so happy to see me. Now, before we just kind of brush aside what Onesimus did, we kind of have to think how offensive what Onesimus did was. Onesimus was a bondservant, so this meant he didn't have very many rights. None. Philemon had the upper hand. Philemon had the law on his side. He had all the power. He had all the resources. Onesimus had nothing in terms of worldly things. Nothing. So what Paul asked Philemon to do, it's ridiculous. This is... Crazy, this is an unheard of thing to ask a wealthy person of Philemon's status to reconcile with a bondservant. This is unheard of. And what Paul asked Onesimus to do is equally ridiculous. Put yourself in the shoes of Onesimus. You want me, the guy who has nothing, to go to the guy who has everything, who can ruin my life, with one word when I'm already free I'm gone I'm in Rome why would I subject myself to go back there and risk that I'm away from that already but Paul instructs him to go back to reconcile with Philemon it's crazy now you imagine what Paul was asking both of them to do this is madness now, you look upon your own life and you think about people who have wronged you. And I don't mean like they stole your cookie. I mean like really badly. Like they wronged you. Well, I guess some of you, cookies, yeah. <laughs> or have you wronged somebody else really badly? You were wronged or have wronged someone else physically, emotionally, sexually, financially, or some other way that was just really, really horrible. Now, to think of forgiveness, to think of reconciliation, depending on how deep that wound is, it's crazy to think of, isn't it? I mean, are you kidding me? That person, really? You want that to happen? Here's the thing. Maybe not right now, but we know this, that time does not heal all wounds. I've been here for a while and ministering to people and where things have happened decades ago and you would think, hey, it heals it, but it didn't. It's still there and it comes up It manifests in other ways. We also know that time doesn't cover a multitude of sins. It doesn't do that. What does? love does. And in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8 it's written, above all keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Forgiveness and reconciliation, those are active things. These aren't passive things. And so, do you know why so many of us are so messed up? I know it's our parents, but I mean, so but <laughs> But we just haven't dealt with our junk well. And the time does not erase what has happened to you. You cover it up or you medicate it somehow or you have some coping mechanisms or things like that. And those things, those relationships, those wrongs that you aren't forgiving or reconciling with, they're just taking up space in your mind, rent free. Those people aren't even thinking about what they did to you. So how do you own that? How do you grab hold of it and how do you move past it? It's a really hard thing. Forgiveness. It's really hard. Verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And if we really do this, this is so hard. And for some people, this is just impossible unless it's a work of God. It has to be a work of God. And perhaps there is someone you are not ready to welcome. Perhaps someone you don't want to forgive. So Paul lets Philemon know that if Onesimus has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. So here Paul is calling for action. He's wanting to take action toward reconciliation and not be passive about it. Yes, Onesimus did wrong to Philemon and he did owe Philemon, but he wrote that he would repay whatever that was. And so like the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus was asked, and who is my neighbor? He was asked this. And in verse 29, That's the question that was asked. Jesus replied with this parable, which many of us know. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, verses 30 through 37. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but that's where the story is. I'm going to skip down to verse 35 through 37. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, he's mentioning the other people before the Good Samaritan, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So here Paul encouraged Philemon and Onesimus to do likewise, to be like Jesus. For Paul to send Onesimus, this was a sacrifice on his end. Paul's imprisoned. imprisoned. Back in this time, a prisoner did not get three squares a day, did not get to go out in the yard and work out and all this stuff. You were locked up in your cell, and that's it. And so where you went to the bathroom was some corner, and when you got food, depended on somebody outside of jail to bring the food to you, depended on you staying warm, depended on someone outside bringing something to you. So here, Paul has given up that. Because Onesimus served him. Onesimus took care of him. He wanted Onesimus to stay because he was useful to Paul. But Paul was being like Jesus in that he wanted Philemon to charge Onesimus' debt to him. And so just like Jesus took our debts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 again. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him he we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus takes the judgment that sinners deserve. And this is the gospel. The gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done to reconcile us to himself. Just simply put. That sin has separated us from God and he made it so that we are looked upon as righteous and we can approach him in righteousness. So how can that be if all of us are sinful people? How can we be looked upon as righteous and approach God as holy people when we're not? It happens through Jesus. The sin is not overlooked by God. Kind of like that forgiveness, reconciliation thing. It can't just be overlooked. It's active. It's not a passive thing. So with God, the forgiveness, the reconciliation is not a passive thing. It just doesn't just happen over time. It's active. And God is just, not in a punitive way, but in a relational way. So Jesus has taken that sin upon himself in order to reconcile us to God. And when a follower of Jesus accepts this by faith, that road of spiritual transformation that is traveled, it has begun. And we acknowledge Jesus paying what we could not pay on our own. And here, Paul is willing to repay the debt of Onesimus to Philemon so that they can be reconciled. I'll pay it. I'll pay it. In verse 19, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. So to make this a legal transaction within the Roman Empire, this had to be written by the one who was taking on the debt. So in essence, this letter to Philemon is the promissory note. This is Paul's promissory note, that he's writing it himself, and any debt that Onesimus owes, I'm saying I'm going to pay it. But Paul does remind Philemon that there's a debt that he owes to Paul, a debt that is larger than any material amount that Onesimus can possibly owe Philemon. Philemon owed Paul what could not be repaid, his relationship with God. His family's relationship to God. That church meeting in his home. Paul had a lot to do with it. Philemon's life everlasting. And the lives everlasting of his wife and his son. He could thank Paul for that. Verse 20. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So here again, Paul has a sense of humor. In verse 11, Paul does this play on words with Onesimus' name right? Onesimus means useful, and so there's a pun here in verse 11, and here Paul shows his wittiness again here in verse 20, and yes, it's a letter full of spiritual truth and some deep subject matter, you know, reconciliation, but also in it are kind of these funny little quibs that Paul writes in there. And here's another one, which I can just imagine as Philemon's reading this letter, a smile cracks on his face when he comes across this sentence, so, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you. And the Greek word for benefit is derived from the same root word as onesimus, which is useful. He's writing So he's saying, hey, bro, I want some onesimus from you. Right? I want some of that. And so it's kind of like this pun. So give me some good news. Right, give me some good news. Let me know that you are following Jesus and that is real to you. You are my partner in Christ, verse 17. You are my brother in Christ, verse 20. So let's live like this. Let's live like that. And sometimes the siblings we have in Christ, let's just be completely honest here, you and I wouldn't pick. Right? It's just like your biological siblings. It's just like that. Some of your siblings you would not pick you are be like, oh, my. But here's the thing. That's your brother. That's your sister. And that's it. Like, someone goes against them, you have their back. It just doesn't matter, no matter what. You didn't pick them. They just happened to be, and they were a pain in the neck your whole life. And even now, but if something's going on, that's your brother, that's your sister, you got their back. That's just how it is. And so we don't choose our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's it. And if you did, we wouldn't choose a lot of us that are in here. Some of us are really weird. Really weird. And we have some really quirky people in here. But isn't that evidence of the existence of God? God. That we can actually still be brothers and sisters even though we're just so weird and we're so quirky? I mean, isn't that evidence for that? Where else can people who are so different come together like this? Other than you are just being born into the family. You're just born into the family. You think of any extreme and there are people in this church who are in the other extreme. You believe something politically, I guarantee you can find somebody here who's on the other extreme. Whatever you believe, there's somebody on the other side, which is just really fun for me to work with as a pastor, by the way. (laughs) Yet we're all here. We're all here and we're worshiping God. And here was Paul writing a letter to Philemon exhorting him to do the brotherly thing, to do something really, really difficult, something that is unheard of, reconciling with Onesimus because the most difficult relationship to reconcile was already taken care of by the blood of Christ. That one's already done. And so now Philemon and Onesimus, they are brothers by the blood of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, reconciling them to God. Paul asked Philemon to Refresh my heart. Refresh my heart. Philemon was known for that refreshment mentioned in verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So Paul asked for that refreshment from Philemon. Refresh my heart in Christ. And he asked for some benefit in the Lord. He asked for some Onesimus. Come on, give me some Onesimus, right? And so, in the Lord, in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ, we have become a new creation. Paul was able to send Onesimus to Philemon Because he was a new creation. He wasn't the same guy that came and gone and took his stuff and all this stuff. Philemon was now a fellow brother who was good at refreshing the saints. So Paul asked him for the refreshment for himself and to receive Onesimus in the same way he would receive Paul. In Christ. You know, anything of everlasting benefit is given and is received in the Lord. It is received, given in Christ. Because if you think about this, all the short term things of this world, they die with time. All of it. Even the meaningful things we experience, like friendship, family, relationships, a meaningful work, good times, good experiences, all of those things that make life good, gone within the span of our lives. It's gone if it's not experienced in the Lord, if it's not experienced in Christ. Thanksgiving is around the corner and some people will share what they're thankful for. Many families who don't know Christ, including some of my extended family, will be thankful for their health. They will be thankful for our family. but They're missing a really key element in thankfulness. It's who are they thankful to? You're just thankful for the idea. But who gave it? You're thankful for the gift, but who's the gift giver? And so we can be in this state of thankfulness, which is really good, but again, temporary. Only lasts in the span of your life because, I don't know if all of you are understanding of this statistic, but we're all going to die. <laughs> right? Right? Those are good stats right there. And all of those good times and all of those experiences that one has in this world, they are so temporary. What, 70, 80 years? If not in Christ. This is what the book of Ecclesiastes teaches us, and we're praying about what we'll be studying next after our Advent series, and it might be Ecclesiastes, which shares with us that all the great blessings in life that we work so hard for. They're all temporary without God. They're only enjoyed in this world, but not everlasting without God. We were created for life everlasting, and the gifts we receive from God are meant to point to the giver of those gifts, not the gifts themselves. So many people in this world are looking for meaning and looking for significance and working towards that but are we more satisfied are we more content than generations past I'm finding that many people that I talk to they're lonely and Pastor Steve and I were talking about you know what do we offer to help people what are we going to talk about what are we gather people to talk about and one of the common themes that we're bringing up is this theme of loneliness and dissatisfaction and restlessness That people are just kind of going on with life. We all die. We all came into this world with nothing. And the only thing you can take out of this world with you is Jesus. That's it. Everything else goes away. Verses 21 and 22. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Paul was confident of Philemon's obedience. He's confident that he'll do even more than what he wrote to him, and he hopes Philemon's prayers are going to be answered so that he can visit with Philemon at some point. And Paul's prayers were with Onesimus, they were with the church, and Philemon's prayers and the church's prayer were also with Paul. All the while, this opportunity of reconciliation presented itself To live out the faith that they confess to have. How are you doing with the opportunities given to you to live out your faith? Because we don't live out our faith in isolation. I understand people can be really difficult. But often it's in those challenging relationships that we're given the opportunity to live out our faith. And we aren't meant to journey on the spiritual journey in Christ alone. You look at who was with Paul, verses 23 and 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Paul was used by God, but God didn't just use Paul. There were a group of others who went about God's work as well. People who probably weren't as well known as Paul, but who were instruments of the growth of the church. And most of us are like this. Most of us are like Epaphras. Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. Most of us aren't Paul, one of the most recognized figures in all of Christianity. Maybe none of us are like that. Most of us aren't this. Most of the church is made up like folks, just like Epaphras, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. But we all have parts to play. Now, out of this list of names, there's one of them that is not a favorable one. And I want to point that one out. It's Demas. In Colossians and in Philemon, demon is no demon. I guess he is kind of a demon. But Demas is known as a fellow worker of the gospel. But if you turn to Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Paul wrote this about Demas. "For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica." See, the Bible's not all cheery pictures and everyone wins and all this kind of stuff. It's just reality. It's truth. And here's the thing. If someone who was a fellow worker with the Apostle Paul could fall in love with the present world, desert the work of the gospel, and just leave, don't you think that any of us could do the same thing? I mean, Demas was with Paul. Paul. So let this serve as a warning to those of us who are doing the work of God now, but let's not be fooled that we can't be strayed or pulled away from our first love and fall in love with the things of the world. How we need to consistently rely on God. But even in that disappointment of someone falling away from God, which many of us have direct relationships with those who have done the same There is the grace of God. Verse 25. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul greeted Philemon with grace to you in verse 3. And in the closing sentence of this letter, he wrote, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace. Grace. Just a beautiful, beautiful word. All of the undeserved and the unearned benefits and blessings that we have received from God in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's grace. All of that grace be with your spirit, Philemon. And it was. It's the only reason why Paul could ask for such a big ask from Philemon. To ask him to reconcile with Onesimus, a former bondservant who ran away and took his stuff. Who has nothing. Who was nothing back in those days. To reconcile with, to forgive a bondservant. That's unheard of. People didn't do that back then because bondservants weren't thought of as equals. But in Jesus, we're all equal. We're equal, which was the only way Philemon and Onesimus could reconcile to approach one another on equal footing, where one party didn't have this one up on the other, where they could approach one another in love, not out of obligation, compulsion, or duty. Now, there may be a need for reconciliation here today. And maybe it's someone you're with here. Maybe it's in your marriage, where the two of you are kind of far apart right now. Maybe not in proximity with one another physically, but maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally, you're disconnected. Your hearts are distant from one another. And the reason that that intimacy is broken is because of sin. Sin. Something that Philemon teaches us is that if you are in Christ, then he will provide a way for forgiveness, for reconciliation, whether that be in a marriage or any other relationship that has been broken. In Christ, the offended may be able to extend forgiveness. The offender may be able to humbly ask for it, that it would be a genuine act of the heart. Jesus paid for our sins so that we are reconciled with God. That was the most costly of relationships to reconcile. And in Christ, we have been given access to the grace of God and the likeness of Jesus to forgive and reconcile like Jesus did. Do you see what a powerful testimony this was to the church and the communities who heard of this outrageous act of forgiveness and reconciliation? Imagine For a wealthy man to forgive and to reconcile with a former runaway bondservant. Crazy. Never happened. But what a powerful testimony to the church that met at Philemon's house. What a powerful testimony to everyone who heard this incredible story of forgiveness and reconciliation. To think they're equals? No one ever thought that they were equals. Yet this is what Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. We are equals. And what happened between Philemon and Onesimus was evidence of this. This was reconciliation between the classes. Think about how difficult that is in our world. A couple thousand years removed. We still struggle with this between the poor and the wealthy and and this was and still is really difficult for people to come to terms with, to come to peace with. But Jesus transformed the lives of both Philemon and Onesimus to allow this to happen. Reconciliation is evidence of who we are in Christ. We are to be instruments of reconciliation between races, genders, classes, amongst any other social construct but not in the place of the gospel. Let's be careful of that. We need to be reconciled to God because it is in Christ, that Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, that that rings true. In Christ, we are equal. And we have a long way to go to fight for such justice, don't we? There's so much injustice in terms of equality in this world. And so, what's the answer to that? battling each piece, there's something way more foundational. We need to share the gospel of Christ for such equality to come into being, to be God's ambassadors of forgiveness and reconciliation. And even when it is really difficult for us to do, even when we look foolish doing it, and if you feel forgiveness and reconciliation need to happen between you and someone else, I encourage you to take action. That you don't just sit on it, God took action by sending Jesus because he loved us, not out of duty. We are forgiven out of love, not out of compulsion. We are reconciled to God out of love, not out of obligation. And if we are in Christ, we must take action when it comes to forgiveness and reconciliation. It is not a passive thing. Let's pray. Father, I ask for forgiveness of our church of individuals here who haven't been champions of reconciliation, who haven't been diligent in sharing your gospel and sharing how you bring about equality, Lord. And here we are trying to fight these battles outside of what is foundational. And if people would understand and see Colossians 3.11 and live by it, how much good that would do. Lord, would you empower your church to move forward? in an active way to seek forgiveness and reconciliation. In Jesus' name, amen.